Welcome to episode 87 of the Ask Achieve Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today we'll be discussing muscle tightness, working through mobility restrictions, strong lifts 5 by 5 and how we encourage our members to keep being consistent. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? It finally happened. <laughs> we had a baby. <laughs> it's our first episode back, so maybe we can share a little bit of the story. Yeah, you want to go through a little recap? Sure. So I did say by, that... By I... the way, he's he's literally in my arms right now because he's a little bit fussy, so yeah. I've got a pacifier in him right now, and he's... Uh, if he, if he, if you hear some stirring, it's uh, it's, it's Kendrick. Yeah. So, oh yeah, that's his name. We, yeah. we could have started with that. So his name is Kendrick Austin Pack, and Kendrick is a name that's been in my family for three generations. So it's the middle name of my my dad and my brother and my dad's father, um, my grandfather, who I never actually met. But it's always been a middle name, and we just really loved it as a first name. Yeah, it was an awesome name. And we wanted to kind of honor my my dad and my brother in that way. Yeah, um, I think Austin, it was just a name that we liked, and it was in the running for a um, the first name. Because we were originally just thinking about keeping Kendrick as the middle name, and then like over time we were just like, you know, we really like Kendrick, mm-hmm. actually. And it started growing on us more and more, and... Yeah, and then we decided to shuffle Austin to be the middle name. And it just kind of, like, had a good ring to it, so we kept kept it. Yeah, and it's, it suits him, yeah. if, if you saw him. Um, so, yeah, so what ended up happening was I went all the way to um, a day short of two weeks late. And so they decided to induce me because they were like, this baby's not coming out on his own. <laughs> um, so we showed up at the hospital and for my induction. Um, and I, apparently I was actually already in, I was already having contractions. So I was already in like early labor, but I wasn't feeling them at the, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a, this weird combination of, they still did the induction, but I think my body was also kind of preparing to go into labor and it caused a very rapid fire first stage and second stage of labor. Yeah. Um, very rapid fire, <laughs> which was really intense. So I started off feeling like, oh, that's a real contraction, like, and then having them be spaced out every five minutes, like you kind of expect. And then all of a sudden they were every 30 seconds to no time in between them yeah. at all, lasting for what felt like two hours. <laughs> it looked like they were just getting stacked on top of each other. Like one was coming down and the other was coming up. Like yeah. it was, yeah, you were pretty, pretty intensely It was pain. very intense. So that was, that was a little bit rough. Um, and there was, I mean, I'm not going to go into every detail because yeah. it would take a while to tell the story. But basically, we finally got to the pushing stage. And um, that's where I was like, all right, I've been training for this. Like, <laughs> I can do this. I'm strong. Like, whatever. I just kind of thought that that was going to be the place where I shined in yeah. labor. Um, and I pushed for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> he was a nine-pound baby, which nobody was expecting. We thought maybe like six or seven pounds yeah. based on how much weight I had gained and how, like, his ultrasound readings were showing that he was in the 50th percentile. Oh, bless oh, you. Oh, he sneezed. <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> um, so we were not expecting a nine-pound baby. I'm not a very, like, I'm a fairly petite person. So <laughs> it was uh, it was rough. Um, it was a lot. Definitely had a lot of injuries from the <laughs> from the experience but he finally arrived and it's been unbelievable ever since and yeah. he's just been a really really incredible baby i think all babies are incredible but yeah he's been uh he's been super sweet he's been very sweet very sweet even if he fusses a little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so that's the that's a very very short story but if you have any specific questions feel free to ask him I'm, I'm definitely willing to share so yeah. um and now here we are we're he's five days old 
Yeah. And we're ready to get back to the podcast, ready to start answering your burning questions again. <laughs> we are back. <laughs> um, with maybe some slight interruptions from, from Kendrick. We used yeah, to we'll we put Diesel, our dog, in the other room when we podcast, but we figured we probably shouldn't do that with the baby. So <laughs> we'll, have to, yeah, we'll have to roll with whatever he decides to do. Oh, yeah. Forgive, right. forgive us if we're a little bit uh, out of practice, a yeah. little bit... Uh, a little bit tired. A little bit tired, yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> We should be able to make it work. All right, so we're going to start with the first question. This one is from Ryan Bouchard, and he said, Hey, guys, I just had a quick question about muscle tightness and was hoping I could get your help and opinion on the matter. I've been a soccer player my entire life, and I'm currently playing professionally in Argentina, but I've noticed that during training sessions, my legs are starting to stiffen up a lot quicker than they used to, and I'm not sure why. I feel slower and heavier. Would you guys know what the what the problem is and potential solution? Thanks so much. Um, this is a really good question, and so... You know, he's in a slightly different category than most of the people that actually send in questions because he's actually a professional athlete where he's, he's probably getting some sort of a compensation for playing the sport, right? And so soccer players, um, they're soccer players, baseball players, like these types of sports, it's, they're a little bit notorious in terms of there doesn't seem to be an off-season, right? As opposed to like a football, a hockey, or a basketball where it's like, Definitely, there needs to be an off-season to let your body recover. Mm. Um, soccer and baseball, it's a little bit less apparent um, when you need that recovery. And so um, when there isn't a, a, a strict off-season, you start to play all year round. You're practicing more. It says, it says he's currently playing professional soccer, so maybe he just started getting more in, into it in terms of uh, playing at that level. So he might be playing more, practicing more, things like that. And so his body just might be having a tough time recovering from all these, uh, all the stress basically. And so if you're playing more and practicing more, you're not letting your body uh, recover, um, then what you need to do is basically treat your strength training sessions as more of like a restorative or a maintenance type of session, as opposed to trying to increase weights or really attacking things from a strength uh, spectrum because you're so heavy on the playing and practicing side. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And so if you're not taking in like an off season where you're t dialing back a lot of the playing volume, practicing volume, then you need to let your strength training sessions be a little bit more of a um, restorative regen type of session um, instead of actually going at it like really, really hard and making strength the priority. Because it's not. It, the soccer is the priority. Um, secondly, what I would say is now you need to take a lot more, um, put a lot more emphasis into specific recovery strategies. Yeah. And that might be doing things like mobility circuits on your off days or even just daily, just doing some sort of mobility work, doing foam rolling, maybe taking ice baths after your practices and, and games, uh, maybe doing contrast showers, um, if you can do that, like cold to hot, um, Epsom salt baths. Um, you know, you see these, uh, all these various recovery tools now, like you see people like sitting and reclining in these, like, I think they're called like NT recovery, like leg the sleeves, Normatech, Norma yeah, yeah. yeah. Normatech, uh, leg sleeves, um, where they offer a lot of compression. And so basically you're just gonna have to take a lot more stock into recovery because basically the tightness that you're feeling, I don't think is from a flexibility or muscular thing. I think it's more from a under recovered standpoint and they're just feeling slow and they're just so fatigued at this point that you need to take a lot more stock into it. So it could just be that you need to be, you know, keep recovery in, in, in mind more, or it might be you need to take some deloads from your strength training here and there, um, and just know that your strength training, if you don't have an actual off season with your playing sports, um, then you're just gonna have to treat it more in terms of maintenance, and maybe you just do one to two training sessions a week. Yeah, or you can time your strength training, like, 
I'm not sure what kind of like cycle he's on in terms of programming, but yeah. there there probably is like a more competitive season, and then the off season he Very may true. still be playing, yeah. but maybe it's not like the most important games, that kind of thing. That's and true. So that is the time of year where you can put some of your heavier work in, and then when you are in season, like in the most important season, then you want to taper off the weights a little bit and just be continuing to maintain your strength, like Jason was saying, but not necessarily pushing anything crazy in the weight room. Yeah. So you can also like wave the loads basically depending on your season yeah that's 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 very true awesome cool all right question number two this one comes from kim grady fit she said hi jason and lauren hoping you can help me with a client i have a 16 year old boy who is obese he also has club feet with very limited ankle mobility and had many surgeries to the flexor muscle in his ankle on top of that he has one hand that is underdeveloped and he can't grip with it or put pressure on it um, so push-ups and planks, etc., are not possible. His mom is worried about him, of course, and has hired me since I can go to his house and train him. His schedule, his schedule is very packed. Please help with any ideas. Thanks so much. I do feel like I'm out of my comfort zone, but I really care and I want to help him. Um, yeah, this is a really good question, and you know, it's it's something that we see you know relatively often. Uh, someone who might be a little bit more overweight, but also is combined with mobility restrictions, and when that happens, you're like. Well, what do I even do, right? And it's yeah. like, especially if they are a beginner, it seems like if he's 16 years old, he's probably more of a beginner to movement. So he's probably trying to find his bearings in terms of his overall proprioception. Maybe his body awareness isn't great right now, but um, I think uh, her heart is in the right spirit right now because she really, really wants to help. Yeah, I've definitely been in this situation and, and it can feel really overwhelming and you're like, I know all the things. A little bit of you has to forget all the things that you know work, quote yes, unquote, yeah. for the general population and just start having them move in ways that they haven't been moving before because that's going to spur progress. Mm -hmm. And if he is very overweight and he's not really doing much active activity wise, then like standing in place and marching is going to be really hard for him yeah and it's going to be something that gets him a little bit of movement through his feet so but he's not you know pounding on a treadmill or anything like that just right. even with his hands against the wall you can have him face the wall hands against the wall just lift one leg up hold it for two seconds put it back down switch sides mm -hmm. and that seems so it seems too simple it seems like why would somebody pay you for a training session like that yeah but it's because you're going to then show them that this is step one next we go off the wall then we start to go marching forward then we start to skip then we start to run mm -hmm. so you know you can you can have these things progress but we think about um oh like you see shows like the biggest loser yeah and they just stick people on treadmills and they tell them to run and they're dying and they're falling off the treadmill and so people are terrified of that yeah and if you can show some compassion and say like i'm meeting i'm willing to meet you where you're at and and modify what you think a, a good training session is supposed to look like yeah I, th I think that's perfect and it's really like a lot of the training sessions might look very similar because he doesn't have that much in terms of probably movement variability. Like he can't access a lot of different movement patterns and movement styles. So a lot of it initially is going to be very repetitive and mundane. And so it's gonna be really imperative, um, especially because he's 16, he's probably not too confident, right? I'm just thinking back about like what I was feeling at that point, probably not too confident, um, especially if he's a little bit more overweight. Um, and so he's gonna feel like this is more of a task and a chore because he's so out of his comfort zone. So as long as you're continuously reassuring him that he's doing really well and you make the workouts where he feels really successful, he's gonna to start to build on that confidence, build on that momentum. And over time, his movement variability starts to increase. You can do a lot more and more with him. And then it's just gonna build on top of it. And so I think it's just important to make sure that you're as supportive as possible and tell him that, hey, we're not gonna just 
go insane on right from day one. We're just going to gradually build you up and you're going to be so successful uh, throughout each and every training session. And, you know, I believe in you and you're going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more about, I think, probably from the coach's standpoint to make sure that you don't think you're being too boring or too repetitive by doing the same things over and over. In fact, I probably think that it's better for him mentally being like, oh, I know what to expect and I know I can do it. And I can just do just a little bit more than the last time I worked out with you. And that's just going to make all the all the difference. Yeah. Um, and in terms of like his specific things that he has going on, so obviously with limited ankle mobility, things like squats and lunges are going to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can definitely deadlift, it yeah. sounds like. And so, it, I mean, it sounds like uh, he has one hand that, that – can't really grip so you can do single arm deadlifts so you can hold with the other hand to hold the kettlebell um a kettlebell would be the easiest to do it because you can still kind of keep the load in the middle with one hand and not really create much of a crazy imbalance and he already has kind of this imbalance that you're just gonna have to work around so instead of trying to like make a perfect deadlift setup that you'll need straps and all this other stuff just go to a one-handed kettlebell deadlift yeah and make sure his shoulders stay square and you know he can then he's working his whole body he's working the other side or both legs and he's working that one arm and maybe he can just work on like making trying to make a fist with the other hand to keep a little bit of tension on the side that can't grip yeah yeah it's so true um, and just like just making him move more is the big thing right. and less about making the perfect program the perfect form with each thing just more movement and making sure he enjoys it throughout the process yeah 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 um any else? other i just wanted to give a couple specific like ideas for how you can modify for his specific injuries. Yeah, I probably um. do like squats holding a TRX or some yep. sort of like pole or of some sort where he can hold onto it, even if it has to be a little bit more with the, his right side. I think that's totally fine. Um, supporting himself on either side while doing a split squat to maybe a few like pads of build up elevation. So it's just partial range of motion because split squats are probably going to be really difficult at first. Um, let's see, what else can. Can you do? Uh, I mean, if, if the gripping is that difficult, just doing one arm exercises, like Lauren said, so he can do one arm rows, one arm band pull downs, one arm dumbbell chest presses, yeah. um, and starting it that way. And then over time, as he starts to trust you more, I think he'd be more willing and less um, less uh, reserved about his using his left arm and, and gripping more. I think he can over time he'll be able to develop some of those more muscles and get more confidence there. Yeah, and you may may be able to, I would say start with the single arm stuff and then you may be able to over time start playing around with how can we um, make it work so you can use both arms. So maybe playing around with like a a wrist strap Mm, and attaching a wrist strap to like a TRX and doing rows that way. Yeah. Something like that or attaching it to a a dumbbell and doing a row that way. So I think gain his his, um, like confidence by starting with things that are not, you're not like throwing all these bands and all these weird things on him yet <laughs> just have a move and then over time you can say like hey let's try to get that other side working let's see let's experiment with these different tools and see if we can do something yeah and you know we have a lot of the, these sorts of instances at achieve where members will come in and you know maybe doctors have said like you can't do this or maybe they've just read that they can't do that and so they come in and they're very um very straightforward in that they don't want to do x y and z they don't want to work with kettlebells because it banged up their wrist before like we have all these sorts of instances and we just roll with it we're like okay cool we don't have to use kettlebells or we don't have to squat we don't have to lunge just yet and we find other ways to um get them moving and then over time they they, we gain their trust and they're like you know why, why, why don't we try using a four kilogram kettlebell during this and see what happens and then over time they get more confident they realize that they are more capable and more resilient than they thought and then you just build on top of that yeah Cool. Awesome. All right. Next question comes from Tar4Ba. 
And they said, hi guys, first of all, I hope the baby arrives soon. He did. <laughs> He's already um, sleeping right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's sleeping in Jason's arms. It's actually so cute. I wish you could see it. Um, I just finished episode 85, and I have a follow-up question regarding your guidance for strength programming. I've been doing, I've been trying the Strong Lifts 5x5 program for the past couple of weeks, which is basically the same concept, only the main five compound movements, squat, deadlift, overhead press, bench press, row, five sets of five starting with 50% uh, and adding five pounds each time. My question is, what do you think of this program overall? I just hit my RM with squats today, and I'm pretty sure I cannot add any more pounds to my next session. I started from my 50% RM three weeks ago, and I did not do any other exercises rather than just some core training, and I don't understand why I'm failing or about to fail. I've been strength training for the past year, but I'd say I'm still a beginner. P.S. I don't care about the numbers. I just want to get strong and have weights lifting in my routine. Cool. Um, That last part is probably the most important, just to give us context on what this person actually wants from a goal standpoint. Because we may have assumed like, oh, okay, if they're trying to peak for a powerlifting meet, like yeah, what should we do? They're so they really want to push. Yeah, this is great. Like now we know a little context. She, they're just like trying to get stronger. Yeah. And they just want to want to lift weights and do it in a way that still makes them feel successful and makes them feel like they're still moving forward. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And so, you know, most of the times I will typically assume that they probably started off too high. And so, but if they're starting off at 50%, you know, I think that's pretty good starting point. Um, but maybe, maybe they could restart the cycle with even slightly lower weights. Cause I know strong lifts, they actually recommend starting with just the barbell, um, which start, which seems really just mundane at first, <laughs> but the frequency in which they want you to lift, like it, those pounds start to really quickly add up. And so you might want to restart the cycle and just start lighter, maybe at 30 to 40% or even start with the barbell, um, whatever it might be. And then from there, it's really important to make the appropriate jumps because I think they'll say anywhere from five to 10 pounds or so um, for a bench press, that's going to be really it's rapid progress. Way too, fa- way too high. Yeah. yeah. So we had to especially order um, 1.25 pound weights uh, for, for our members because even 2.5s on each side is five pounds. It, it just adds up really quickly. So smaller jumps would be better from a longevity standpoint. You, you don't seem to be in a rush. So start lighter initially and then start with smaller incremental jumps. And then from there, you'll get to a point maybe in five, 10, 12, 15 weeks or so where five by five starts to get a little bit too um, challenging. Actually, to backtrack a little bit, some people rest too little as well. You say yes, that as well? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, I was, I would, to make a gross generalization, I would say guys tend to rest a little bit too long, whereas women tend to rush the process a little bit too quickly, right? <laughs> yeah. And so um, to just make sure that you rest about three to four minutes or so in between sets um, is, is probably ideal. And then from there, once you get to a point where you plateau at that five by five stage, um, what we'd recommend is deloading a little bit. Take about, take a week off and deload your weights anywhere from five to 10%. And then from there, continue on, but instead of doing five by five, do three by five. So you're actually lowering the volume because you might be like, hey, I can do 90 pounds on the bench press for five sets of five. I'm not sure if I can do that with 92 and a half or 95, but I'm pretty sure I can do that with three sets of five. And so you just restart that cycle that way. And then once you hit your limit in terms of three by five, go to three by three. Once you hit your limit there, do one set of three. Once you hit your limit there, do sets of singles. And then from there, now you probably have, you probably PR'd at that point, you probably have a new max, and then you can restart the cycle using uh, your, your 40, 50, 60, whatever percent RM that you wanna start with, and just restart it again. You might not even wanna go towards the singles, cause that, you know, it starts to get a little bit scary, especially yeah. if you don't want to 
really push uh, like for a max out, you don't really care about that, then you might want to just go to three by three and then be like, okay, I can generally assume that you know I, my max is a little bit higher and I'll start my next phase a little bit higher than I did the previous phase and then go at it again. But those are just some different ways you can start to continue to lengthen out this process as much as possible. Yeah, and I think that that's the, the case with, with this individual is that they are just looking to continue strength training, but also, like, I, I got sad when I read them say, uh, I don't understand why I'm failing. Oh, and yeah. it's definitely, you're not failing. The, the way that the program was structured isn't to continue going up in weight for eternity because yeah. you can't. Otherwise, we'd all be lifting a 1,000 pounds right. and everything. <laughs> right, and so maybe you didn't get quite to the end of the program the way it was laid out, but you're not failing. It just was that you, this is your first time going through it. You didn't really know what to expect. You didn't really know how much your body could handle week to week mm -hmm. going up in weight. So don't don't look at it as a failure look at it as a learning experience and you're like okay now i'm better equipped to understand like maybe my squats actually felt good going up five pounds every week but bench press that was way too much i need to drop down to two two and a half pound jumps something True. like that um so now you're just more equipped with more information and yeah. you can start over again feeling a little bit more confident and feeling like you have a better better plan of attack so yeah definitely yeah. and as you go through these um cycles more and more um something that we've often brought up is that the first couple of times you go on a program, like you just make a ton of progress and you're like, yeah, this is great. And then as you get to more of that intermediate stage in your uh, lifting career, those gains start to come really tough to uh, find. Like you, like you might, like people get really excited over a five to 10 pound PR on their bench press over the course of a year or two years um, because the gains just get so much more and more difficult. So. Yeah. It's, it's important to just understand and get realistic um, expectations with the process. Yeah. Cool. All right. And fourth question. We did a bonus because we've been gone for a, a week or two. <laughs> um, this one is uh, from Coach J Don't Play. I think she asked a question a few weeks ago as well. Mm -hmm. She said, hey, y'all, I had another question for you. How do you help encourage... Uh, help slash encourage those members who are not as active in your gym with their attendance get back to coming in on a regular basis? Um, yeah, this is this is... A great question and something that we always like we think we have a really good handle on but something that we're always trying to improve um, because I mean you just you can't get people more cons like <laughs> consistent enough right yeah. you can always get more and more improvement in this regard yeah so we the the biggest thing here is to be proactive about this instead mm. of reactive yeah. um, that that would be my biggest piece of, of advice is don't wait until somebody's fallen quote-unquote fallen off or you know stopped showing up to yeah. then start this process of encouraging them to come back in. Instead, from the very, very beginning, start setting up habits and setting up systems where you're talking to them about consistency and, and making sure that they're feeling good um, r before anything ever goes quote unquote wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a couple of systems that we have in place at Achieve for that is we have a 30-day protocol um, for members when they first sign up. Within the first 30 days, they get reached out to a lot. Um, they get reached out to by our coaches, by um, Jason and I, by our office manager. Um, and we just want to have a lot of points of contact with them to make sure that they have a lot of opportunities to ask questions, to you know, tell us if they have any concerns or any 
um, worries about anything and just to make them feel like this is a place that really wants me to be here. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Most gyms, most people's experience at a gym is that they sign up and then they know that the gym is hoping that they don't show up so that the <laughs> gym can then sign up more people and not reach their capacity. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so we want to show them that we have the complete opposite approach that we really, really want to make them consistent and want to help them feel comfortable at the gym. Um, so the first thing we do, we after we do their initial strategy session and they actually sign up for a membership, they have their first session scheduled with a coach. And the next day, that coach is responsible for reaching out to them, giving them a specific compliment on how that session went, whether it was something very simple, like I'm like super proud of you for showing up, if that was something that they were worried about, like just showing up is a big deal and thank mm -hmm. you for, for having confidence in us. Um, and then giving them a little bit of insight into how things will go from here. So they'll say, next session you'll come in, you'll do go through your warm up again on your own, and then you'll meet with your coach and they're gonna take you through your program. Um, just giving them an expectation so that they feel like they know what to expect when they come in. I think that's I think that's absolutely huge. Just yeah. understanding, because they're, they're so out of their comfort zone already stepping into a gym environment, um, that they really need to know what to really expect because if they can really expect it, they can visualize it, and they can picture themselves in that situation, which makes them more likely to actually come in, yeah, right? Definitely. Um, so I think that's that's really key. Um, going back to the email check-in, uh, one thing that I often go for in terms of uh, giving them a specific compliment isn't something that they naturally do well, but saying something like, "Hey, I really appreciated like like how um, how well you're able to receive our, our coaching feedback," or um, how quickly you picked up on things as I was going over it because that immediately gives them an understanding that hey I did something well within that session it wasn't just something that was that they innately that do already well. comes naturally to me yeah. like oh you're really if you're like oh wow you're really strong like they're like cool like yeah <laughs> but if you're like you you're so coachable you take advice really well you take yeah. coaching really well they're like oh nice yeah. like <laughs> nobody's ever told me that before yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um, so after they get that first email, they come in for their second session, then they get an email from either us or from our office manager, just explaining a little bit more of the logistics of things. So mm -hmm. the logistical side of, if you have any questions about your membership, this is who you contact. And if you um, need to change your credit card information, this is what you do. Just give them <laughs> yeah. as much information as you can to make them feel, again, just more comfortable coming in and more confident in what they're doing. Um, from there, we then, at about the 15 day mark, we, they get another uh, contact from their coach, mm -hmm. the same coach who has been contacting them already, just giving a little bit more feedback mm -hmm. and, and asking them if they have any questions. And then at 30 days, they get um, one final email just being like, hey, you made it through your first month. Like, that's really amazing. And you were super consistent. Again, we always just bring up the consistency part rather than talking to them about like, hey, you went up. I mean, you can also say like, you went up so much in your squats or whatever, like mention a goal that they might have had and how they're getting closer to it. But most importantly, we're really, really excited about how consistent that you've been. Yeah. And then just like the way that we talk about them, talk about stuff in the coaching session, um, the way we phrase things in our newsletter, um, the way we phrase things in our Instagram posts or the podcast, we're always just talking about consistency rather than what has resulted from the consistency. Right. So if you start placing too much stock on, hey, you lost five pounds or hey, you went up 10 pounds in your deadlift, they start to take success and pride in those factors, which eventually are going to become uh, difficult to really control. So the only thing that you can they can they can really start to focus on from a long term standpoint should be things like how many times they're coming in and the process and stuff like that. That's a huge huge point because I think after like the first year of training, you kind of stop seeing those like we were just talking about with the strong lifts program. Like you just kind of stop seeing those 
really amazing jumps forward in your training. Yeah. Like those, you you only get to do your first pull up once. <laughs> you only get to do your first push up once. Yeah. So like those moments are so amazing, but putting everything into that moment, it makes them feel like, well, I need to have more of those moments. And then there's only so, there's a finite amount of like kind of things like that That's that true, you can like keep milestones. striving for. Yeah. And so instead, like obviously recognize them in the moment for that milestone, but also being like, hey, the reason that you got here was because you just showed up consistently for an entire month, three days a week, you put in the work, you did, so talking to them about everything that they did to get there, not just the fact that they got there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's a huge point. Um, and so this is gonna feel a little bit overwhelming, and this is this is definitely a, like, really far from where we started. I think, mm. you know, initially we didn't have a system, we just texted and emailed yeah. all of the members just randomly, whenever we thought of it, and which was pretty often, obviously. Um, and then we realized we needed a formalized system, especially with more and more employees coming on. And so for you starting out, if you're not, if you don't have a check-in system, maybe all you need to do is have one check-in right after their first session and you start there. And then after a couple months, you're like, okay, we can do one at the end of the 30 days or at, at 15 days, whatever it might be. So start off small and just incrementally add in more. Cause this is us talking about this after six or seven years of being in business. So it might be a little bit overwhelming to have 16 different check-ins right. from different people, from office managers to us, to coaches. So just start off small and any little micro improvement is gonna be huge. Um, and then secondly, you wanna talk about Achieve 60, which has been really helpful for us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so we run a challenge for our members. Um, we run it from September 15th to the end of the year. Um, that's just what we decided to do. It doesn't need to be that time span, um, but we like to do it at the last quarter of the year, basically. And the challenge is to come into the gym and get a workout in 60 times in that time span, which, which ends up averaging out to like 3.75 workouts per week mm -hmm. on average. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the challenge is only about consistency. There's nothing in there about like get your like like max squad or yeah. like do anything crazy. It's just about showing up and we don't even care necessarily what they do when they show up. So we also have like a recovery class, which is basically foam rolling and stretching and regeneration. That totally counts for a stamp yeah. for them coming in because they came in, they did something, they moved and it might have been something that they thought like, well, I, it's not like a huge workout, so I'm just going to skip it. Mm -hmm. But instead, they're like, well, I want the stamp. I want to come in because yeah. they get a stamp every time. And stamps are like, for adults, they're just as effective as they are for kids. So <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's amazing. <laughs> so we give them this card, and it has 60 slots in it. And every time they come in for the workout, at the end of the workout, they bring it up to our front desk person, and they give them a stamp. And then if they have 60 stamps by December 31st, we give them a T-shirt that says Achieve 60 Finisher with their name on the back. Mm -hmm. um, just a little, like prize for for their consistency so yeah. again setting setting up a challenge that is only rewarding just the process yeah and just all the the right habits to get to where they want to go is going to be absolutely huge but yeah what, whether you want to do gold stickers like in first grade or stamps yeah. or whatever it might be um do something that where they get a physical tangible thing out of it um, that's totally in their control um, is going to be just hugely re rewarding and motivating for them. And the big thing for us, the reason why Chief 60 works out so well is because it's such a short period of time. Yeah. From September 15th to the end of the year. It's not like try to get 200 workouts in the year. It's for this concentrated period of time. Can you do it? And a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I can. And even if they just make it to one more workout than they would have otherwise without the challenge, like we view that as a success because a lot of people will say, Oh, I tried, but then I failed because I didn't get 60. It's really important to make sure that you stay upfront and throughout the process that 
if they just get one more stamp than they would have otherwise, then it's a success. Yeah. And then one last thing I want to go over is what does happen if somebody still, even with your best efforts up front, still does end up mm, yeah. kind of falling off. So, and obviously, I mean, it happens. It happens and people have things going on in their lives that they might not even tell you about that are yeah. various reasons that they're not showing up. Um, so I think the biggest thing here is that you come at this from a point of understanding rather than accusing. And not that I think that Coach Jay would no, <laughs> um, or not. anyone would, but it's it, it's easy with your language to make it sound like, hey, where have you been? Sounds really ups- can sound really upsetting, like why haven't you been here? To, hey, I've, I've noticed that you, you haven't been able to make it into the gym. I wanted to check in and just see if everything's okay. I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to sit down and meet with you mm-hmm. um, if there's anything that you want to talk about or if you just want to come in for your next session and we can chat then, um, but I'm here for you and just want to let you know. Yeah. That sounds much different than, hey, I'm just checking in because you haven't been to any of your sessions and, I'm, and like, I want to... We're going to have to reschedule your sessions now. Yeah, like just kind of just being <laughs> like, even if you're thinking, I'm just going to be to the point and I'm just going to reach out to them, it needs to be in a way of, a way that's compassionate and that's understanding that probably something's going on. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a reason that they're not showing up and it yeah. might just be as simple as they're busy and that's fine, but you have to... You have to let them get to the point of feeling comfortable telling you. And then the next interaction is talking about different ways that you can approach this. So like, let's, if they're really busy and they're like, work has just been really crazy. You can be like, I totally understand that. That happens to so many people. Can we, do you think that we can go, I know we were trying to do two to three workouts a week. Do you think we can find one day a week that's like your day that you definitely make it in and then we can go from there. But like one day a week is better than not showing up at all. Yeah, and I think when they're in that mindset, they're like, you know, I, I can't really give it all my all right now, so I might as well not show up. Right. And, and, and I'll just hit it hard again once I am able able to. Yeah. And we all know how quickly um, that can deteriorate into not showing up at all for a long period of time, right? Right. And so, yeah, I think that the, the wording is just so important and, you know, something that we've just developed over time when we realized that people weren't really telling us what was going on when we just got, kind of got straight to the point. We really had to let them and just allow them to... Um, talk about these things by just opening up the door in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. All right. Well, I think those are all of our answers to your burning questions. I can't believe that Kendrick didn't really stir. He sneezed twice, and that was about all the noise he made. So pretty good job, Kendrick. We're proud of you for your first podcast. Um, If you have any more questions for us, please send them to us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram. If you love the podcast and you wouldn't mind sharing that with the world, we would love a review on iTunes. And until next time, peace, love, and and muscles. muscles.